my name, which is Ramona Lisa Ortiz Smith, and I use the pronouns she and Elia. I happen to be zooming in from the Mojave Desert in Southern California in Joshua Tree, um, unceded Mojave land, unceded indigenous territory. And however, I'm a Berkeleyite. I'm one of the original Berkeleyites. I uh, grew up in Berkeley from the time I was six months old till I was about 18. And then I moved away and moved back and uh, raised my daughter there for a number of years. And my family um, was there for a while. I still have one relative there. Um, well, maybe I have a couple of relatives there now, but um, anyway, <laughs> just wanted to say, yeah. Um, so this evening I am, and I see more things in the chat, so it's gonna be a challenge for me to read the, we can lower it ourselves. Okay, good, 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 good. Okay, great. And actually, if you all need to tell me something and I haven't caught it in the chat, you might need to just unmute yourself and, and let me know what's happening because I get involved and I, I'm, I don't really look at it. It's just not my strength. <laughs> so feel free to just say, hey, Ramona, blah, blah, blah. I'm glad that didn't happen in the meditation, but that might have been okay too. You know, I kind of try to roll more uh, casually. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to say anything else about myself because I know James sent out a thing and you can connect to that. And I will also share my um, my web page it's not really a site it's very low key and i do my best to try to keep it up with things it's kind of like when COVID hit i had to have an electronic business card or an electronic presence so you know doing that oh somebody saw something yeah oh where was that see find things out <laughs> um so yes i used to be a i was a dancer in my youth Put it like that somebody just put that in the chat um so at this time i just want to um let you know i, I just said that i was down at damadina and i am actually here as a guest resident teacher and i don't know if many of you know about the damadina um, meditation center retreat center but it's a place where you can come and do self-retreats and there are also retreats here uh, that are guided by teachers and I'll be at a uh, guest I'll be a guest trainee or teaching assistant at Spirit Rock Meditation Center in June for the annual um, BIPOC retreat black indigenous and people of color retreat and that's about all I have um, coming up in terms of things that I offer I I I kind of um well you know my uh I, i'm multitasking and trying to talk at the same trying to talking and cut and paste into the chat okay there's something my um my offerings are pretty um well my you know as a sole proprietor i call my sole proprietorship free spirit and that's kind of what i do i just kind of um go where i'm invited to share if it works out for me to do so as opposed to being connected to one particular uh organization i do have relationships with certain organizations and um at this time i would like to offer you an opportunity to support my my livelihood as a dharma teacher so if you'd like to make a donation in support of that i will put those options um how to do so in the chat as well. So again, multitasking. Um, thank you for your patience. All right. Yeah, this is, um, I feel so fortunate that um, this is, this is how, what I do to, to sustain myself, to I share the Dhamma and really the Dhamma sustains me and I like to share the teachings hoping that um, or with the intention and the hope that um, something I say, something I share, something I um, repeat that's already been said lands with someone in a way that uh, it can benefit your life and you know that you you find tools or things that are meaningful that can benefit your life. 
and when I have a chance to share the Dharma, it it's it's also a way for me to deepen my practice and deepen and challenge my understandings of the teachings, which changes all the time. So, okay, putting my timer on again, because this is when I really start to get excited. Usually I get excited, we'll see. So again, I wanted to talk about meta in difficult times. And we'll have time at the end for what I like to call questions and responses. Um, like my mentor does, my mentor, Dara Williams, because I may not have the answer, but, you know, questions and responses, discussion at the end for a little bit. So meta and difficult times, you know, this is what was um, arising for me in my heart, you know, when um, James was asking what I was going to share, I said, you know, I'm not sure. I said, but meta and difficult times, you know, it's a difficult time in the world right now. Um, you know, we can have difficult times in our lives, difficult times personally, professionally, politically, you know, environmentally. I mean, just go on, you know, say it all. But we know um, with Buddhist philosophy, it tells us that we have the 10,000 sorrows and the 10,000 joys always together, you know. And sometimes, I know for me anyway, it seems like the sorrows can... Uh, seem to outweigh the joys. And I think that that is a time when I think about what can I do? What can I do not just for myself, but for the world, for other people? And that's when the Dhamma comes to mind. That's when the practice of metta comes to mind is to check into my own heart to see, you know, first, am I okay? You know, and what care does my heart need at this time in my life? And then can I, uh, you know, cultivate that and um, check into it and then maybe show up in the world with a little more kindness as just a first step, maybe not even doing anything, but just trying to be kind, you know, to myself, you know, let alone other beings. Sometimes, you know, I'm not as kind to myself. So metta is one of the four Brahma-viharas, or four divine abodes um, in the Buddhist philosophy. Metta is a Pali word, and it has been translated as loving kindness. And then the second one is karuna, translated as compassion, and mudita, translated as appreciative joy. And then the fourth Brahma-vihara is upekka, translated as equanimity or equipoise. So um, they all have an overlapping um, nature. And Gil Fransdell illustrates this in a piece that he wrote called The Four Faces of Love, the Brahma-viharas. Gil says, the heart has four faces. Each sees the world in a different way and speaks with a different purpose. Yet, as each aspect belongs to the same heart, they are inseparable like the four directions of a compass. And I will put this, he wrote a whole little thing, well, not little thing, he wrote a whole thing about it on, on, the, on a website. So I'm gonna, I did wanna share that with you to read later, but I don't wanna forget to put it in the chat. Okay. And so I also see the four Brahma Viharas or qualities of heart as um, qualities that work together. I kind of know that if I'm if I'm working on metta, you know, compassion can arise or the lack of compassion, the lack of the sense of compassion can arise and uh, joy can arise or, you know, to support me in like feeling some of the joy in the world. Or sometimes I realize there's a lack of joy in my life and I'm going like this because I see I'm going metas right here. And then underneath at the bottom is for me upeka which is supporting me and balancing me and keeping me uh, in the middle, as the Buddha often says, with making sure that when I'm cultivating or offering or sharing love, that I'm doing it with wisdom and compassion, that there's a sense of balance so that I stay resourced as well. And this evening, I'm gonna focus on metta. However, I do invite you to still consider Gil's statement about how they're inseparable and how they all work together. Um, 
I see them as guides. You know, it was interesting to read his read Gil's statement about it being a compass because I see the Brahma Viharas as guides, you know, and I see, um, I just really see how they balance one of one another, whichever one I happen to be focusing on, but it can't really separate them. It's, it really is like, if you think of a compass, you know, it's always pointing pointing north and maybe Meta's north. We just get like, where is where is love? You know, and no matter where you go, there's you still have on the compass the other directions, east, west, and south. Um, so what is Metta? Again, it's commonly translated as loving kindness. Ruth King in her book, Mindfulness of, uh, Mindful of Race, she says that Metta is a genuine desire for all beings without exception to be safe from inner and outer harm, to be healthy and content and to live with ease. So when I think of that, especially in difficult times, I'm like, wow, you know, it's a genuine desire, not fake. We can't make it happen. We can't force it. It's genuine. It's authentic. And for all beings without exception, this touches on the Metta Sutta, which I'll share with you later, the Buddha's words on loving kindness, because it's, it's supposed to, Metta is something that, you know, doesn't discriminate who gets it. Because even if in our mind we're saying um, only this person gets it or that person, I'm giving it to myself, it's, it's a quality of heart that we cultivate that actually really does shine through or can shine through. Just like I always tell myself, hmm, does Metta really shine through? Does love and kindness really shine through? Unconditional love? And I tell myself, well, if my bad attitude, if my funky, funky attitude shines through and impacts people, whether I want it to impact people or not, then love and kindness has to do it as well. And so it's without exception, even if I don't want someone to have love, if I'm walking out in the world with a more kind, generous, and benevolent heart, maybe someone else will be impacted by it and I'll, I won't even know it. You know, someone in the grocery store that maybe I just said, oh, thanks, thank you, I needed those, um, that double bag, thank you. You know, thank you for thinking about the plastic bag. I forgot to store them so that the paper bag doesn't tear up out there, even though the plastic's bad for the environment. But just an example. Or there might be people, people that I, I really don't even know how I'm impacting them. Same if I walk out with a sour attitude. There might be somebody walking by that goes, oh, what's wrong with her? Du -du 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 -du. You know, then I've impacted their day. So without exception, even if we don't offer the meta directly to someone, it goes there, which goes back to how we were practicing in the meditation with offering it to location or specific beings without it getting personal. You know, because I know for me, sometimes getting up close and personal can make it harder because the story and my views and perspectives and what happened gets in the way and I get tight just like this. You know, so if I take a step back and put some space in between it and still just offer it by location, sometimes that's a little bit easier, an easier place for me to start. Because really, you know, all beings want to be safe and protected from inner, the inner harm and outer harm, meaning the maybe the voices and things that we say to ourselves or the external harm that's out there in the world today. War, social injustice, um, oppression, uh, all the isms, all the, you know, everything. There's so much out there, you know. And so Metta is, I see I'm, I'm frowning up because I'm thinking of all the bad things, all the things. But metta, loving kindness and happiness and well-being is a quality of heart that's already innately in all of us. All four of the Brahma-Viharas are part of our human experience. So we're not going out to get anything. Even though, you know, we might use the terms we're cultivating it, it's more like, you know, it's already there. Maybe we're waking it up. Maybe we're touching into it. Maybe we're nurturing it. Maybe we're watering it. 
maybe we're, um, you know, just bringing it back alive, nurturing it, strengthening it, strengthening it, strengthening it, and becoming familiar with it again so that we can touch into it for ourselves and others. And when Ruth King talks about it being, you know, a genuine desire, I think about authenticity and, genu and as well as something genuine. It has to be, for me, when I practice an authentic feeling. And I know sometimes I don't connect well with certain words, whether it's my experience, my language, with my conditioning. You know, when I first heard loving kindness, I was like, what? I don't walk around saying loving kindness. Now, after many years of practicing in the Dhamma, it's become more comfortable and familiar. And yet, sometimes I still need other words so that I can connect with my heart, with my well-being, with my understanding of metta, my, the energy there. So I want to share a few words with you, and I, I invite you to um, you know, explore words that work for you. And what I find is sometimes, you know, when I'm practicing with metta, even though I've searched these words, looked them up, trying to figure out what, what they feel like for me or words that just resonate with me more, when I'm practicing and I, I want to get out of the intellectual realm and really get into the embodied feeling of loving kindness, I can go back to just saying metta because I've already defined it for myself. And it's, I'm, it's, I don't need to be so specific, you know? So benevolence, kindness, kind-heartedness, big-heartedness, goodness, goodwill, benignity, well-meaning, well-being, happiness, Sometimes for me, happiness is kind of a stretch too. So contentment, contentment is really where I tend to uh, rest, especially in difficult times. Because sometimes it it's, you know, can be challenging to say, may I be happy when things are difficult and I know other people are suffering or I'm suffering myself. And then there are other ways to understand or express metta. And I want to share a few other quotes from some other Dhamma teachers, teachers that I, um, that I love, you know, in, um, Larry Yang's book, Awakening Together, the Spiritual Practice of Inclusivity and Community, Larry says that loving kindness is the primal intrinsic energy of the heart that also shares the experience of the present moment with mindfulness. So for me, that one gets to primal intrinsic energy. That's deep for me. That's, that's what I'm talking about when you can't find a word and talking about that these qualities are already innately in us. It's, a primal intrinsic energy of the heart. It's already there. We've, we've touched into it at some time or another. Sometimes it's helpful to remember something or a memory where we felt good or felt loved or felt kind to get in touch with that primal energy. In her book, Mindful of um, Race, you know, quoting Ruth King again, Mindful of Race, Transforming Racism from the Inside Out, she says that metta, or loving kindness, is a genuine desire for all beings without exception, again, to be safe from inner and outer harm, to be healthy and content, and to live with ease. Just bringing that back in, you know, genuine. And I've heard um, Aya Ananda Bodhi, one of the nuns at the, um, well, former Aloka Vihara Monastery, the monastery has closed, but um, Aya Ananda Bodhi and the nuns are still practicing. And that's where I started to understand uh, metta or all of the Brahma Viharas as qualities of heart, but, and, and thinking of it as cultivating. So I'm paraphrasing here, but Aya Ananda Bodhi supported me in reminding myself that metta is about cultivating an open heart towards happiness. 
right? It's not something that we might be able to just do magically, even when we're sitting in practice, we're inclining the heart or we're cultivating um, an open heart towards happiness. So there's a, to me, it's like tending to a garden, you know, we, the seeds are there, the plants are there, it's been there, but we're, we're, we're cultivating, we're taking care of the soil, we're doing our part with watering and fertilizing and we don't know what's going to grow, but we know we've put something in there. And then it depends on all these conditions of the sun, the wind, you know, everything. And that's, that's like our lives. All the aspects of our life can impact um, what the outcome is. But if we cultivate an open heart towards happiness, you know, we can hmm, be active with more well-being in the world for ourselves and others. And metta is also, um, as we, we explore it in the meditation practice, it's, it's a mindfulness meditation practice. It's, it's also known as a concentration practice, you know? And the purpose or one purpose of the Brahma Viharas is to support us in cultivating these qualities. And we do it through our mindfulness meditation practice. And again, <laughs> Ruth King, she says, the practice of kindness or metta is simple, but not always easy. It's simple because they are humble phrases that we offer to ourselves and then extend to others. The practice is not easy because we don't always feel loving or kind. Huh. And when we are not feeling loving or kind, Ruth says, kindness practice is precisely what we need. Yeah, so I'm going to read that one again. It's not always easy. Okay, this, these are Ruth's words. The practice of kindness or metta is simple, but not always easy. It is simple because they are humble phrases that we offer to ourselves and then extend to others. Yeah, we could say this in our mind, in our heart. We sat there, repeated it, listened, and then... The practice is not easy because we don't always feel loving or kind. I'm like, tell the truth, Ruth. Tell the truth. When we are not feeling loving or kind, she says, kindness practice is precisely what we need. Because I know when I'm not feeling loving or kind, I don't want to do metta. <laughs> but Ruth tells us, oh, that's exactly what we need to do. Yeah, so... You know, I can read that a different way too, or understand it and interpret it a different way too. It's like, um, if I'm feeling unkind, if I'm feeling resentment, aversion, uh, disappointment, anger, frustration, whatever it is, I can still practice metta with those feelings in my heart. Because we're not making it up. Remember, it's genuine. We're not making it up. We're not going out to create it. We're not, you know, we have to be authentic and see the truth. And that's something that the Dhamma teaches us is to see things the way they are. So even if we sit down or lay down or stand or whatever we do, whatever posture we're in, to cultivate loving kindness and it doesn't arise, we can still incline the heart mind. As Ayananda Bodhi said, we can still cultivate a heart towards happiness. So in other words, if you're not feeling loving and kind, don't give up on your metta practice, even if you're, you're doing it the, however long you're doing it, because we have to see what's there and understand where that's coming from in order to get to the love and get to the compassion and to see what's causing this. And the Buddha said that <laughs> we have to be careful because sometimes when we practice this, anger will arise. It's known as the far enemy. Anger will arise. Imagine you sit down to practice loving kindness and anger comes up. What's behind that? What's under there? Or can you just offer yourself some metta anyway? And be like, yeah, anger, you're there. I see you. And I still want to cultivate 
kindness. Still want to incline my heart, mind to be open to love and well-being for myself and others. And the anchors there. And the other thing that can come up is attachment. That's a different kind of love. The Buddha says that the metta is an unconditional love. It is unconditional. It is meant for everyone without exception. So it's different than an attached romantic love or an attached love for, um, I, you know, when you want something from your love or for being kind. That is different than metta. That's a different quality of love. So the another, um, so when things get difficult, when the anger arises, the frustration, whatever it is in your heart, tightness, it might not be, you may not be able to articulate it. It might be a feeling, you know, that primal feeling might be primal feeling of anger that Larry talked about. Whatever that feeling is, you want to be with it. Um, and it can be difficult to practice the metta. And, and, and that's for me when I use the practices that I was sharing with you when, you know, it's too close for me to, offer, I may not even be able to do, um, you know, to name people because it's like that naming the person makes more of the anger or frustration arise or naming the situation makes more of the frustration arise. So that's when I go to all beings in this dwelling, all beings in this state, all being in the world, all beings in the universe, because it depersonalizes it for me and supports me. It's like my, my, my meta made feels a little more, it could come out a little easier without the personalization. Or if I want to get a little closer, like we did, I can say, may my relatives, may all my friends, may indifferent beings, may difficult persons, may, you know, whatever that is, it's like, I don't have to get into the naming. And that way that helps me to practice in difficult times with difficult situations of person because I can depersonalize it and still you know, try to cultivate a sense of well-being or at least incline my heart, mind towards that. Take a little sip of water. And I just noticed something's in the chat again. I'll try to peek at it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, oh. Okay, some, some, I'll, I'll check those things. Remind me of those things in the chat when we get to the discussion part. Um, so there are benefits of metta. The Buddha offered benefits of metta, which I think are also comforting to consider in difficult times, you know. And just, you may have heard these before, but just let it land. I'll just read them out. It is said that people who practice metta sleep peacefully, wake peacefully, dream peaceful dreams. People love them. Angels love them. Angels will protect them. Poisons and weapons and fire don't harm them. Their faces are clear. Their minds are serene. They die unconfused. And when they die, their rebirth is in heavenly realms. Yeah. So, you know, something to, something to contemplate. Something to try for yourself. Something the Buddha also said, right? Ehipasako, I think that's the word. Those are the phrases in Pali. Go see for yourself, try it on. So, you know, it's an invitation to practice some metta and explore and experiment and see if you sleep more peacefully, especially in difficult times. Cause I know by the time I've gotten caught up in whatever's happening in the world or something, you know, in my personal life, but right now it's like the world with the, all the wars and things going on. It's like, it's difficult to sleep. I want to know what's going on and that stirs up my mind. So, oh, maybe I should practice metta. Maybe I'll sleep peacefully. 
Maybe I'll wake peacefully. Even if that's the only peace I get that day. Maybe I'll have peaceful dreams. You know? So something to consider. I think metta, I think the Brahma Viharas are like a salve, you know? They're kind of a healing bomb. I think all of the teachings of the Dhamma are that way. Even the ones that are hard to hear. It's like medicine that tastes bad, but it's truth and it's gonna do something to benefit me. So yeah, I just invite you to try it on. So in closing, I guess I'd, uh, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll just, let me bring this up first before I go into closing. Let me make sure I can bring it up. second thank you for your patience oh okay there it is all right let me try again all right learning some new things on zoom so thank you for your your patience again um in closing i want to share the buddhist words on loving kindness so this is actually the karaniya metta sutta which the buddha um, says our, our instructions for loving kindness, how, how we should practice. And so I'll just read it. Karaniya Metta Sutta. Um, it's a chant, and the first phrase does say, now let us chant the Buddha's words on loving kindness, but I'm going to read them. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature, let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. Wishing in gladness and in safety may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. I'm going to share this PDF with you all. You may have um, you may have already you know have it or seen it, but I definitely thought I would share it so that if I can get to it. It's something that I reflected on, I reflected on and read over and over, you know, over the years. And, uh-oh, 
Oh, I can't share it. Okay. Sorry, I can't share it. I might find a link to it. Um, I'll try that in a moment. But it's something that I reflected on because I thought it was a pretty tall order. And I had a lot of aversion and resistance to it. Especially the part about the mother and the only child because I have a child. I have an only child. And I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to love everybody like I love my daughter. Good luck. <laughs> but as I reflect on it deeply, it really is just trying to say that we all deserve unconditional love. That's the bottom line. And so I hope that we can, um, well, you know, offer it to ourselves. And from there, because I know offering it to myself, I begin to see all the things that I either don't like or don't love or I judge about myself. And so then it's hard to love myself unconditionally. So how can I love someone else unconditionally if I can't love Ramona? It's deep. And when I begin to realize that I have to forgive myself and love myself anyway, like my friend Fresh Lev White says, he has a beautiful writing around that, love myself anyway, or love yourself anyway. If I begin to see that, and I can soften and forgive myself or accept myself the way I am, every now and then and I see another being or situation or person, then the compassion comes and I can, I can, I can kind of understand how difficult it is for people that I want to be nice to or that I want them to be nice in general because I have a view about them. I realize, oh, it's hard. It's hard to love ourselves. So it's really hard to love other beings that we have no control over, you know? <laughs> it's really deep. Um, and I will end there with that and just say thank you for listening. And um, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to open for discussion. And I'll try to find the link for um, the Buddha's words on loving kindness. Give me a second. I'm sure it's on the internet. Um. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, okay. Here's a copy, I hope this works. For those that are interested on access to insight. But you could always type in the internet too, the Buddha's words on loving kindness. Okay, I see a hand for, oh Liz, yes, thank you. Um, oh, you're unmuted, I think. Go ahead. Yes. Hi. Hi. Thanks. Nice to meet you. I don't think we've met before. Nice Thanks to for you. your Thanks for your very authentic talk. Mm. Thank uh, you. And you, you exude that, which I really appreciate and enjoy. Don't give up that dancing. Ah! <laughs> I'm serious. I'm, I, don't know, I don't know if you know Thomas Davis IV, who loves yeah, music. Well, I, do. I, I adore him. He's one of my favorite teachers. And he plays us Ella Fitzgerald. He plays us the most beautiful music. It's so enlivening and beautiful and full of love full of love the yes, arts are full you. of love don't stop dancing we need joy okay but, uh, um that's an order um, and i love thomas i used to work with thomas and i love thomas so he's really yes, a dear um dharma quite, sibling quite wonderful but what i want to say is and i never thought of i never thought of this before um i woke up in a lousy mood i've been going through a couple of disappointing days and I'm very uh, aggravated and I'm glad that I tuned in because I really needed I nearly needed to think about what what you've been saying tonight 
But I never thought of metta or the Brahma Viharas as a refuge. Mm. I thought of them as a resource, but I don't particularly care for that word. I love thinking of them as a refuge. And thank you for this talk because tonight you led me to that word. And that has changed a lot for me. I'm thinking of them as a refuge from, from here on in. So thank you so very much. Thank you, Liz. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Many glad blessings. that. I'd hope to see you again. Thank you. Thank you very much. Wow. That's, you know, if we can just touch one another, inspire one another. That brings me joy. That brings me mudita. Anyone else want to share something? Hi, uh, John. Okay, I'll un I'll put the ask to unmute. So you have to now. I think you can unmute yourself. Okay. Hi. Hi, everyone. I really I really loved your talk. Thank and, you. Uh, Meta, I've been really playing with it, and and what I've been doing is I've been it's very personal. So I I will go through. everybody that I know and I might spend an entire 45 minutes just on everybody I can think of. And I, and it's really helpful for particularly people I mean, that I like, but I also have difficulties with it really helps my conversations in terms of uh, just appreciating something about them that, that, that the difficulty get otherwise get in my way. Um, So it's really juicy, but what you're reminding me, and I was just thinking about it even, and I walked around the neighborhood and I realized I wasn't sending out loving kindness to all the strangers I was passing. I, you know, uh -huh. some, in, the, in the past I've done that and I was forgetting it. And it's like, oh, I, I, I have so much fun with everybody I know and giving them loving kindness that I've been forgetting about the neutral and the unpleasant. And that's what you reminded me of is is like oh there's where the maybe I can find some juiciness in that. Mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad you're out there, you know, sharing the sh sending meta because another thing that you reminded me of is that I've heard I can't remember if the Buddha said it or not, but s someone said it. I've heard it somewhere in the Dhamma world about how the metta shines like the sun indiscriminately. So mm. even though you're sending it to your individuals and loved ones, you're you're obviously you're eluding all that love. So they're probably getting it anyway. <laughs> and now you could direct it more for more juiciness and fun. <laughs> yeah, thank See how you. and and I just you just. You just illustrated how the meta leads to joy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> how they work together. Thank you, John, for sharing that, yeah. pointing that out. Yeah. And I think there's there's something in the chat. Oh, thank you. You're you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, anyone else? Comment? Reflection? Is it Steve? Yeah. Do I have to unmute you or can you unmute yourself? Let's see. Yeah, okay. I'm muted. So um, thank you so much for your talk. I uh, really enjoyed it as well. And uh, early on, at the very, near the very beginning, you, you spoke a phrase that really resonated with me and I want to write it down, but then I, I kind of lost it. Part of it, what, the second part of it was, um, I think, uh, emboldens silence. Oh, embodied silence. Um, okay. Yeah, what, that's what I, I like to, yeah, I like to, embodied um, silence. I'll put that in silence. there. I like to say embodied silence. Yes. No, no, sorry. Embodied stillness. Okay. And empowered. Empowered. Silence. Okay, yes. Okay. It's a different in, way of, you know, I mean, yeah. in the practice for me, I got to keep freshening it, freshening it. It's stale. Right. So one more time. In, embodied. Embodied stillness. Stillness, and right. And empowered silence. 
because it's a it. choice. It's a choice to be silenced. It's like to to recognize that silence for all people, especially people from marginalized community and oppressed communities and societies. We've been silenced, and I'm saying we, as a black woman, as a black Latina woman, I've been silenced or felt that I couldn't speak, and so to come into the practice of silence is does not always feel good. It's like somebody telling me to be quiet and you know shut up. So. But knowing or and knowing that the power of silence in meditation practice is is liberating, actually. And so it's supportive to um, for me, I try to support it's supportive to use that language in certain communities that I share the Dhamma with who may have had my same experience. And it's not just for, you know, there, there's all kinds of oppressed and marginalized people for our different reasons, the way we discriminate against each other in, in communities and societies. So we've been silenced, not just by our voices, but sometimes even the, our expressions of ourselves, the way we dress, the way we move, the way we dance, what we, you know, so in being empowered again to choose to turn inward and listen to our intuitive wisdom that that's that's where my inspiration for using those words comes from well i appreciate your what you just spoke about um you know uh people that are oppressed in our society you know as a caucasian male uh, i am gay though this that, that there is oppression there but it's just that phrase it's a very powerful phrase and i wanted to mm. write it down so i appreciate you repeating it for me and yeah, thank you very thank much thank you you're Again, welcome. thanks for May being here. May benefit you. May it empower you. <laughs> yes, they do. We still have some time. And you know, I've, I'm forgetting that there's a whole nother page. Okay, but a lot of those are on the phone. All right, if you're on the phone or something and you can't raise your hand, if you want to unmute and just uh, let me know that you want to speak, you can do that. Yes, Nathan. Hi. <clears throat> Good Hi. Um, something you said just really reminded me of, of kind of the larger lesson of practice, one of the lessons of practice that I've remembered is uh what you were talking about um when we're not feeling kind or loving that mm. meta practice is actually what we need it's uh, so many so much of the the practice is paradoxical from <laughs> compared to like what i would you know my my habits are is you know if i'm being self-critical or self-judging those are like some of my little you know um habits and so the the to be kind to myself to like recognize my own strengths and my own innate abilities is kind of what I need in those moments. And it's so, it can be hard to like, remember like, oh yeah, I gotta like, I gotta like kind of shift a little bit and do the opposite of what I'm kind of inclined to do. So um, it, it's so funny how how it's not necessarily uh, natural, but it, through practice it becomes more easier to access. So uh, yeah, thank you. Absolutely. You're, you're my pleasure. And I'm just going to say, though, that was Ruth King's quote oh, that funny. I quoted to say, you know, those were her words. So, mm. yeah. And it, and it's, it is. It's 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 hard to pivot in my experience because I get so <laughs> stuck. <laughs> so when we remember that's mindfulness, that's the insight to me, that's the awakening and that's the liberation. I mean, OK. I get to, you know, enlightenment or nirvana, whatever that is. But for me, it's the everyday application of the Dharma, you know, in those moments that you mentioned, Nathan, that that is why I do this practice so that I can remember to pivot every now and then, <laughs> you know, and yeah. that is just like when we're when we're when we're doing our meditation and the mind wanders and we remember to come back to whatever that anchor is, the breath, the body, sound, whatever it is. It's like somehow in life we're marching along and we go, oh, I just need to pivot, you know? It's great. And I'm glad that we can remind each other that, you know, we can get caught 
but then we can get free. Even if it only lasts a moment, we can remember that later and later on Yeah. on the path. So thank you for sharing. Thank you. Mm. Well, there's five minutes and I don't have to, uh, we don't have to keep going. We can also um, do five minutes of, of meditation if there aren't any more questions and if or if you want to you know sign off early you're free to do that as well but I'd, I'd be happy to offer a few more moments of meditation and then dedicate the merit how's that sound okay Yes, you're wonderful. <laughs> thank you all right so um yeah let's just settle together May all beings be safe, happy, and free. May all beings live with vitality, peace, and ease. May all beings live with kind, compassionate, joyous, equanimous, generous, and forgiving hearts. And may the merits of our practice together be of benefit to all beings everywhere, excluding none. including ourselves. Thank you for your practice. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening. Be well, be safe, be happy. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.